you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of your disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so, you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Good evening, everyone. Great to see you uh, this evening. Um, We're going to be spending the next few weeks delving into this incredible, beautiful passage of Scripture, Isaiah 61. And what I want to do tonight with you is just um, really a bit of an introduction about what I'm hoping will happen over these next few weeks. First of all, that as we look at this amazing passage, that we will see how amazing God is. The second thing is, is that my prayer is that as we study this passage is that it will do something to us in our hearts, is that God will begin to do some healing and do some mending in our own lives, especially in this season with the pandemic. And the third thing is, is I'm hoping and praying that this passage will mark us as a church family and a community, that we will carry this incredible mandate to help us connect and reach this amazing city called Hull and beyond. So first of all, I'm hoping and praying that this passage reveals who God is, how incredible our God is, how big his heart is, how welcoming he is. Uh, What is God exactly in the business of doing? When When you think about God and you think about what he's up to in the earth, when you think about his purpose and his mandate, and what he's doing in uh, the detail of every single person's life, he is up to the things that we read about in Isaiah 61. You know, when uh, I, I prepare any kind of talk, um, I'm always mindful of a lot of things, spend hours just thinking about it, about praying, uh, what God wants me to say, about how to deliver things, about the, the audience and how to connect. But it, it's more than... Just kind of, here's a couple of points from the passage and here's a couple of takeaway points. Our hope and our prayer as a a church community and as a pastor is that we would actually meet with God. As we sing these simple songs like we sung uh, tonight, as we look at God's word, as we pray for one another, that we would actually meet 
and encounter Jesus. That, that, is, that is my heart's cry, that is my heart's prayer. When we pray tomorrow night and gather as a church community, it's, a, it's so we can meet with God. Not just because it's a Christian thing to do, it's just a churchy thing to do, to gather and to pray, but actually we would meet with God. And um, my prayer is over these coming weeks is, is as we look at Isaiah 61, is, is these scriptures as they're opened, is that um, a fire would be lit in our hearts, that our hearts would be burning within, that our appetite for God and the things of God would increase. Our longing for him, our hunger for his word would just increase. Now, Isaiah 61 uh, is addressed to the nation of Israel uh, about seven to 800 years before Jesus comes. And we have in these verses the prophecy of the ministry of the Spirit-empowered Jesus. It's a description of the ministry of Jesus. It's what Jesus was going to be up to. And we read about that in the Gospels. And we know this because if you fast forward seven, eight hundred years, you'll find um, in the book of Luke chapter four, Jesus referencing this passage. And uh, I'd love for you to read it with me. And uh, Luke chapter four, and it says this, and imagine he's in the local community, he's in the synagogue, and he has the opportunity to read the text. I just want you to imagine yourself in that situation. Imagine yourself in the synagogue at this moment. And here's Jesus, and he stands, and he reads this. Jesus returned to Galilee, and the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he's reading these words. They're written seven, eight hundred years ago, Isaiah 61. And then listen to this. Then he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and just sat down. Can you imagine that moment? And he says, no wonder the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He just sits down. I mean, talk about like an awkward moment. <laughs> and for hundreds of years, he now reads this, this, this prophecy, this is me. And this is my ministry. This is about me. And so this is the ministry of Jesus and what we uh, read in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John is the outworking of this ministry. It's what this ministry looks like as Jesus does amazing things. And it just communicates to me once again how awesome God is and what he's all about and that he is so, so committed to these things. This is what he is doing throughout the whole earth. This is what God did, and this is what God does now. He is anointed. And I, I'm, I know I'm speaking to the converted, but did you know that 
when it comes to his name, Jesus Christ, Christ isn't Jesus' surname. Did we, did we all know that? Okay. Um, he, he never got posts saying Mr. J. Christ. Just, just putting it out there. Christ means anointed one. He's anointed. And it, it was, as the Son of God, it was an exclusive and unique anointing, but it was an empowering, a seal, a mark. He is set apart to do these things. It's, it's my birthday tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to all the presents I'm going to get, socially distanced, of course, just leave them at the end of my front yard. And I'm particularly looking forward to my uh, PlayStation 5 from my wife, which I hope she's got, because it was our stock in curries the last 10 times I checked. Um, do you know, I've only played PlayStation once since I got married, which was nearly six years ago. Any other married fellas understand the pain of that? Okay, three of you. And um, have you ever been given a gift, like a Christmas, and compared to what you've got the other person, it's just embarrassing? I found myself in, in that boat a lot. <laughs> These beautiful gifts at Christmas, and it's like, oh, right, I, I think I need to knit back to the shops uh, and just try and find something else. <laughs> and um, what we read here in the ministry of Jesus, and it's unpacked so beautifully in Isaiah 61, is an exchange unlike any other. It's an exchange of gifts like no other what we give to God, and quite frankly, what he's given to us in return is embarrassing. Just, just as you go through Isaiah 61, he gives us good news for bad news. He gives sight for the blind, freedom for those in slavery, light for darkness, comfort for those who mourn. Crown of beauty instead of ashes. Joy instead of mourning. You know, we uh, conducted a funeral here this last week and it's very difficult obviously doing funerals um, in this pandemic with all the restrictions and of course there was mourning as you'd expect but there was real joy. Real joy that dad had sadly passed away, struggled with a, a terminal illness and had left behind his, his wife and two teenage daughters and see his teenage daughters play instruments up here, read scripture. Um, it's just, only, only God can do that. I did just, me and Joni were just broken, just thinking, wow, you put yourself in your shoes, in their shoes in those moments, but Joy, Holy Spirit, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of a spirit of despair. Instead of your shame, you receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, double portion and everlasting joy. Jesus goes around bringing this kind of stuff, this kingdom stuff, for all those who thought, hey, I was never worthy of this. I don't think I'm good enough for God to receive this, but the kingdom which is described here is for you and it's for me and it's for our city. 
It's a description of the heart of God, of the welcome of God, of the celebration of God. This is the way of Christ. Secondly, we need to know that Jesus did this for you and I as the church. You know, as followers of Jesus, it's really, really easy. The more we follow Christ to actually um, forget what we've been saved from and saved to, and that the ministry of Jesus isn't just for our neighbors, isn't just for our communities, but it is for the church. It's for you and I. You know, we were once in that category that is talked about in the Gospels about the parable, the, the lost sheep, where Jesus leaves the 99 to go after one. We sang about it this evening. Where we've wandered away and Jesus with his Isaiah 61 mandate and anointing and heart leaves the 99 to come after you and me. Such focus, single-mindedness gets to the detail of our lives and comes after us. This is so often what we do as followers of Jesus. I'm just going to show you this video that you may have seen circulating around social media this week. I mean, that's the church, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus goes to all this effort, rescues us, and then we just go on, and then we just fall in another ditch. And, and maybe this is just my life, um, over 30 years of following Jesus. But that is so often what we do. And the reality is, God wants to minister to us and in our areas of brokenness. There's no doubt about it that this year has brought significant pain and wounding and grief and levels of brokenness for all of us. Broken promises, broken dreams, broken friendships, broken relationships, a broken will, a broken heart. And there's lots of ways to be broken in our minds, emotionally, in our souls, in our bodies, and it's just woven through humanity for all of us, including those in the church. People are broken. Systems are broken. We live in a broken, fractured world. And love what the psalmist says in Psalm 34. It says this, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. The psalmist is so true. And what I've discovered is actually when we're at our most broken and fractured, that is actually when the Lord is at his closest with us. He is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He will deliver you. He hears your cry. He is closer than you think and involved in the detail of our lives. And I really believe this, that brokenness is a, is a bridge. It's a bridge for us to realize that we are at the end of ourselves and it reveals our need for him. Brokenness can so often 
be a gift that leads to breakthrough and something so beautiful. God who is holy and awesome, majestic, he dwells with those who are broken, those who are contrite in heart. And I I know in the seasons, and I've had it again so many times this last year, every time I'm broken, resistance, resistance is broken. It's like I'm now ready to go God's way. I've tried my way, just doesn't work. I've tried to muster enough strength, just doesn't work. And so we come to the end of ourselves, self-reliance and self-preservation just dies. And we place our trust back to God. What do you need to go through in life to realize that it's God who gets us through. It's God who is good to us. It is God who delivers us. It is all him. Many people even think prayer starts with us. Prayer doesn't start with us. Prayer begins with God. When we meet as a church tomorrow night to pray, we don't begin with ourselves. We begin with God and we say, God, what is on your heart? And he speaks to us by his spirit. And we pray those things. The things are on his heart. The things are according to his Well, brokenness can come in so many ways, but God uses it to bring us back to him. It can be a great shaping force in our lives from all the struggles that we experience if we allow it. If we allow it. Jesus was broken for our sake. Jesus was broken on the cross for broken people. His brokenness makes the worst in life bearable. He loves us so much. He understands what we're going through and he will never, ever leave us on our own. So I really believe in this series that God wants to mend some broken hearts. He wants to come and bring some comfort and set us free and fill us with his Holy Spirit because this has been a painful season and many of us have gone through many different challenging things and God wants to bring his healing. He wants to restore that which is broken and he wants to do that to the church. Why? So that we can now take the ministry of Jesus to the city of Hull and beyond. You know, I, I love it how when uh, Jesus sat down after read, read out of Isaiah, um, you know, the people who claimed to be the righteous folk, the religious folk, tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. And that's what cynicism does. And cynicism shrinks the heart, and cynicism can so easily get into the heart of particularly the church. And we've got to reject that. And say we won't become cynical because we've experienced maybe so much in the pandemic, but we've actually got to have the heart of Jesus, which is that he ignored all those religious folk and he just went around inviting people to the party. That's all he did. The welcome of the kingdom. This is for you. This is for you. May you feel like on the margins. This is for you. For the broken, for those who have nothing. This is for you. The kingdom is for you. So thirdly, Isaiah 61 is the mission and the mandate of the church. 
And I think we need to be reminded of this and this needs to be reawakened in our hearts that this is what the church is supposed to be about. This is what we're marked by. If we look through any week as a church community or as individuals, we should be seeing Isaiah 61 played out in our church. That this is what we do. This is what we're about. This is our job description. This is our mandate. This is our purpose. This King brings the kingdom, the the rule of God, the authority of God, the reign of God, the glory of God. It breaks through his ministry and the kingdom of God grows, which is why there's all the references to parables. And his ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit continues after his ascension through his people, which is the church, you and I. And it will grow until the final fullness of God's restoring, renewing work when Jesus Christ returns. But we live in the gap. We live in between the stages. And what gives us hope when sometimes we so miss it, we're disappointed with life, we had an expectation, and there's a gap there of our reality. But what keeps us pushing through and allows us not to be cynical, but allows our hearts to grow big, is to be used by God to bring this Isaiah 61 mandate to our communities and when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and this anointing comes on the church it's not to make us weird it's not to mark us out as being kind of hey we're the special ones none of that but what's really key is proximity is key as you read this passage if you're close to Jesus and you're close to those who are broken then there's an increase of measure of the anointing and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in order to do this stuff. But that's really key. There's got to be a proximity to Jesus and to broken people. We've got to know that the Spirit of God is upon us, but the Spirit of God is upon us for a reason, and that is to help people, to bring good news, to bring the gospel. A very significant verse is in John chapter 20, verse 21. It says this, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father sent Jesus, now Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit is sending his church to go and continue the ministry of Jesus, to go and throw the biggest party Hull has ever seen to say you are welcome, which is why we, the vision of this church is home. Welcome home. There's a place for you. There's a place for you at the banqueting table, at the feast. This is for you. The kingdom, the good news is for you. Now there's no doubt about it, one of the most frequently asked questions that's come out of this last year is this, what is my purpose? What am I even here for? I, th- I think there's been a huge amount of kind of reassessing of our lives. What is going on? What is, what is of true value? How can I make my mark in this life? What was I doing before that? I was just kind of almost on a conveyor belt. I was just on autopilot. But actually, in this season of brokenness, it's actually made me think. It's opened my eyes. Think, what am I here for? What is my purpose? And I wonder if that's a question that you've asked yourself this year 
Simon Sinek, the uh, author and business consultant, says that everything we do in life, every action, every belief, needs to begin by answering one major question, why? Why am I doing this? Why do I believe this? The what is always driven by the why in life. And I think Isaiah 61 gives us, the church, our why again. It helps us to see so succinctly that this is actually why I'm here on earth, in my time, in my turn, is to do the works of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. And I think we need to begin again at the beginning and to recognize as a church community we are marked by this, that this is our mandate, this is our why, this is our how, this is why we get up in the morning, this is how we filter the rest of our lives. We're not called to a role, we're not called to a title, we're not called to a career or a job or a position, but to a purpose, to a purpose. We're to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That is the core essence of why we exist. And this looks an awful lot like Isaiah 61. The deepest motive for mission is simply to be with Jesus where he is. That is our motive for mission and to do these things, is that we want to be where Jesus is, and guess where Jesus is? He's with the broken. That's where he is. That's where he draws. That, where is Jesus? Yeah, he's here by his spirit in the church and all the amazing churches in our city, but he's also in the highways and the byways. And he calls his church to follow him and bring his glory, to bring his light in the darkest of places. This is why we exist. Jesus is among those who are captive, bound, imprisoned, brokenhearted, mourning, the hurting, the lost. And over these next few weeks, particularly when cynicism can creep in, I want us to declare over each other once again that this is who we are and this is why we were created and this is our unique and awesome privilege and calling in this great city is to be Jesus to our community. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking that. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.